Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Edwith in Grapevine, how can I help you? Uh, yeah, I have a two-story house and we have PTV valve coming out on the back. I think that's for the air conditioner. And I have one on the side of the house on the ground floor. And that one seems to be spitting out water on a regular basis. And what is it? A PC valve. Uh, uh, not valve, a uh, pipe. PCV pipe. Okay. A white pipe. Oh! I think is- that, and it's it's hanging out of your soffit? Uh, no, this one is not. This one is on the side of the house where the downstairs bathroom is at. Okay. And it's just, just it's dripping some. It's dripping quite a much, a, a lot of water. Yeah. It, it hasn't stopped in a while. Okay. There are two different things that can be causing that. One is the water heater. Uh, so you can, if the water heater is overheating, building pressure, there's a pressure relief that will allow the water to basically escape instead of letting the water heater blow up. So go over, feel if the water's hot. If it's hot water or, or you know really warm, that's going to tell you it's from the water heater. The okay. other thing that'll do it is the air conditioner. Uh, normally, though, the air conditioner one comes out of the soffit vents. Right. But every once in a while, they'll do it down, you know, if the if the uh, if it's a closet unit or something like that, it, it it can come out down low like that. And the way you can tell if it's the air conditioner one is the water's fairly cold coming out of there. Right. So it's going to be so one right. or the other of those two. Right. The water heater is on the second floor. It can uh, still be that though, because. Water, the codes on the water heater in most cities require them to take the, the uh, bypass valve all the way down. Okay. So it has nothing to do with the bathrooms or a leak or the slab? Probably or not. Yeah, because th- there is really nothing in the bathrooms that would have a, va- a, a pipe sticking out like that. It's going to either be, uh, like I say, the AC or the water heater. Uh, and it should be like a three-quarter inch pipe sticking out if it's pvc sometimes the yeah, older homes PVC. have yep okay yeah that's it that's going to be what it is you just need 19, to figure out which 19, one 1996 i'm sorry to interrupt yeah okay uh okay one more question on foundation foundation is it possible to get a, a fifty-three thousand dollar estimate to fix the foundation absolutely hmm why would that now, be? You, well, in foundation repair, you typically only fix the areas that are affected. So it can start at as little as $2,000 and go up from there, you know, if you're doing just a corner of a house. But if you got a house, let's say, that's uh, on full tilt, it slopes from one end of the house all the way across. Now you're doing the full perimeter and the interior of the house. And so, yes, you can hit those kind of numbers. Uh, okay. Well, thank you very much. That answers my question. I'm looking into installing the magnetic window insulation by Mako to help cut energy costs versus installing multi-pane windows. What are your thoughts on this technology? Advantages, disadvantages. 
from Brian. Well, it uh, it definitely will help caught, cut energy costs. I would not tell you it's not going to do that. Uh, it is not going to have as long a life as replacement windows would have. And I say that because the material that they use, that plexi they use, in that window in direct sun that way, it does start to break down. And what happens is it starts losing its clarity. It looks great when you first put it in. It definitely helps with sound and all that. And uh, But like I say, as it ages, it doesn't age gracefully. It does start showing. And what it starts looking like is it's got spiderweb cracking on it. So if you're all right with that, then you're okay with it. But I'm going to tell you, it's not cheap to have done. Uh, it, it runs very similar to just calling America's Choice and getting replacement windows. It, it's a rather costly product. It does wonderful for sound, but so do replacement windows. So is it a bad product? No. Is it a, you know, a long-term product? No. It's really more of a temporary product. Uh, and really, it does better with cold than it does with heat. It really was developed in the northern states, but so were replacement windows, uh, in order to block the cold from coming in in, th in, the, in the winter months. Uh, it does help with the heat, but not as much as it does with the cold because the material itself, you know, you've got that dead air space between the glass and that plastic, and that plastic will tend to heat up and still allow temperature to come in. So. Uh, Will it do what they say? Yes. Is it going to last a long time? No, you do run into some issues with it. Hope that helps you out with it. Tony, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. Nice to talk to you. Thank I, you, uh, sir. Appreciate your call. I, I, uh, I have a question that I've heard you talk about, but I can't remember how you solved the problem. So hopefully it's simple. When I flush my toilets or take a shower or open up my spigot, my faucet, my Pipes are knocking now, my water pipes. How okay. do I solve that? I guess it's air in there, I'm guessing. Well, usually the knocking is a lack of air, but let, let me make, verify which way we're going here. Uh, does it knock when you shut the water off or yeah, when the water's it. running? Um, for sure when it's off. Okay. I'm not sure when it's running, I think. Also, when it's running, but for sure when it's off. And is it just one thump, or, or, or are you hearing this kind of a ticking sound that goes yeah, through just more, a little bit? Yeah, there's more than one. You know, okay. Three or four or five, something like that. And as, as, as it's going, they kind of space it a little further and further apart? Yes. Okay. Normally what that is, is the pipes expanding and contracting with the temperature change of the water running through them. And unfortunately what causes that is the pipe gets wedged in, you know, it's, they drill through the two by four studs, they pass the pipes through the walls right. or through this, those holes. And if the pipe ever gets in a bind, that's when it will start doing that. Mm. And so my guess is... You know, you probably had a little movement because all houses move a little bit. You, you've now got some pipes that are binding a little bit. 
as they expand and contract, they're making that noise. The, the unfortunate part of it is there's not a heck of a lot you can do because in order to fix it, one, you'd have to find it, and that can mean tearing into the walls. Yeah. Uh, and two, even if you do fix it, the problem can reoccur somewhere else. And it's usually, like I said, only when you turn the water on and off, it, it'll happen for a few minutes, and then it's done. When you right. start running the water, it usually, uh, especially hot water is where it happens the most, it, it usually goes relatively quick and loud. And then the, after you shut the water off, you can be sitting in the living room, and you're going to hear this. Right. Yep, that's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, my answer to you is you're probably going to have to live with it. All right, well. <laughs> that wasn't what you wanted, was it? <laughs> uh, that's all right, fine. Uh, I can live with that. I got, I got worse problems than that, that I'm glad this isn't that bad. <laughs> yep, yeah, nothing nothing to worry about at all. All right, well, thank you, Jim. appreciate it. You bet. Take care. Sure, bye-bye. Bye -bye. Or it's nice to know that some of the stuff that happens with our homes really isn't a major catastrophe, isn't it? Joe in Houston, how are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. How can I help <laughs> you today? Okay, we, I'm thinking about changing uh, our glass shower for a new one without metal on it. And the problem is that I was thinking about removing the, I have a plastic, the floor is plastic in the walk-in shower. Okay. And it's kind of old, you know, it's kind of dirty. We've tried cleaning and scrubbing it, so we're thinking about removing it. But I'm getting the runaround from, you know, plumbers saying they don't do it, and then contractors say plumbers do it. And uh, I just don't know if I even should even remove it or just leave it the way it is, because there's no problems with it. It just looks dirty. And uh, I don't know if I should go with tile. Instead, if I remove it, go with tile or just put another plastic one in or fiberglass well, or whatever. The advantage to the, you know, the plastic or fiberglass, the, the single piece, they even, they even make them out of a man-made material, uh, Onyx does, uh, is it's one piece you don't have to worry about leaks. When you do, when you do a tile one, you've got to put in your mortar bed, put in a rubber liner, put more mortar, and then the tile on top of that. Oh. And uh, it does require a lot more work. I got to be honest, in my own shower when I redid it, I went with the tile. Uh, I went through all the hassle of doing it because I like that look. Uh, you know, it just gives you a higher end look when you're finished. As far as who does it, the even if you do a tile one, a plumber is the one who comes in and does the rubber mat and ties it into the drain system. Uh, now, that doesn't mean all plumbers will do it. There's a lot of plumbing companies. All they'll do is service plumbing, and they won't touch other things like that. So yeah. you're going to have to get in touch with the right plumbing company. Uh, you can call my office, Due West Total Plumbing, uh -huh. at 972. I'm sorry. 972, I'm sorry. At 713-475-0004. 0004, okay. And talk talk with Jason. Jason, okay. And he'll he'll get you taken care of. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna budget. So I think I might just go with uh, the plastic one again because uh, I don't I can't I have three little kids and I can't, <laughs> we're not gonna be selling the house for many years. So it's just uh, yeah. And, and <laughs> honestly, 
you're going to find that the, the, the plastic ones like that, they're easier to take care of. you got less worry about leaking and things like that. So there's nothing wrong with putting one of those in. All right. Thank you so much. appreciate it. Beverly, this is Jim. I appreciate you holding. How can I help you? Hi. I don't have the money right now to replace windows, so I am uh, had an air conditioner, you know, window unit removed. And I noticed that before one of these cold snaps that it wasn't totally completely closed, so... I went outside and, you know, got the window up and had all this caulk that wasn't removed. So I'm trying to find out what's the best. Is there a, is there a chemical solvent that will help remove this other than just, uh, you know, elbow grease? Nope. It's all nope. elbow grease. <laughs> <laughs> elbow grease is it? That's it. Actually, you know, is this aluminum frame windows? Yes, it's some kind of metal. Okay. So I'm guessing it's aluminum, yeah. If you'll take a box cutter... Yeah, that's what I've been using. <laughs> yep, that's it. That that is your simplest way. Okay. Okay. Now Let there, me ask you one more question, if you if you if you possibly sure. know. I've got a um, an old wagon wheel that was uh, under you know a relative's house, and I've had it in the front yard, and but it's of course getting weather damages. Is there anything to you know? It's probably got some termite damage. Is there anything to to put in that to help uh, you know without totally changing it? To preserve that wood and then, you know, to bring it inside so it doesn't, I mean, bringing it inside will help remove some of the rot, but to stabilize it? Yes. Uh, and you want to keep it looking natural. You don't want to have it like a, any type of uh, tint, right? Exactly. Okay. Cedar side cedar makes side? a product. Yeah, cedar side. They make a product called. Uh, Deck, dock, and fence. I think that's what it's called. And basically it's a clear sealer that soaks into the wood and basically penetrate or uh, petrifies the wood. Oh, okay. And uh, that will protect it, but you don't really see that it's on there. That, that's how I will look into that. Great. Yeah, Thank the, you so uh, much. Their, their website is cedarside.com. Now, they make a lot of uh, stuff for insect repellents and different things like that but you're looking for their like i said the deck dock and fence okay all right very good thank you you bet take care all right bye-bye joe yeah how are joe. you i'm well hey uh i'm here tramping around some lots up in a development that has one to two acres and yeah. i'm trying uh you know there are various prices and i think it depends a lot on how much the lot slopes um, and a lot of them have a gentle slope um, as opposed to being, you know, dead flat. Can you give me some sense of, you know, what that might mean in terms of putting a pad on the lot as opposed to not needing much of it at all to put put the house on the lot? I know you might have to do a little bit of site improvement, but... Um, if it's got a slope on it? Yeah, and it's not a severe slope, you know. I mean, Yeah. Um, I'll tell you, on my personal home, uh, I'm, my lot is a sloped lot. And so on the front side of my house, I've only got about uh, three inches of slab showing. On the back side, I've got a foot and a half. And really, the rest of it is the same as any other foundation. Uh, the only thing was on the back, you had to set forms a foot and a half up out of the ground and then you fill in 
are in the foundation when you're digging your beam. You can pack soil in there, dig your beams and all that. Uh, it's not that big a deal. It might add, you know, a, a little bit to the cost of the slab, but you're probably only talking several hundred dollars, not thousands. Okay. Okay. Um, and, if, you know, I've, I've looked at enough houses. These would not require a retaining wall, I don't think, based on the slope. Um, so I'm still in the under $1,000 range as a, uh, in terms of the uh, figuring it for making an offer in a lot versus one that's dead flat. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I personally would prefer to have the one with, with a little slope on it because it's got a little more character and you don't have to worry about water as much around the house and things like that. Okay, so is there any risk? In, or is, is it a post-tension slab you have, or what kind of slab? Did, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's an engineered slab, right? Um, yeah, I have a conventional rebar slab myself. Okay. Now, you got to remember, my house was built in 73. Oh, okay. So okay. It's, it's an older home. Uh, you can go with conventional or with a post-tension slab, either one. Uh, you know, post-tension cables were originally developed for bridges, so it, it'll work just fine on a, a lot that's sloped like that. And is there any price differential or um, reliability between a well-engineered just slab and a post-tension slab? The post-tension slabs are typically a little bit less expensive than a rebar reinforced slab, uh, but... The engineers will design it, and they'll design according to what you tell. Uh, I, about seven, oh gosh, now I'm really, no. About 12 years ago now, <laughs> I built a building, uh, one of my new shops, and uh, I went with conventional rebar on it as well, uh, just because the difference is, like I said, post-tension was originally developed for bridges and stuff, so it has flexibility to it. A rebar slab is very rigid, so when it moves, it moves as a unit. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll tilt and not necessarily get a lot of bend to it. You got to remember, everything you put on top of that slab is rigid. The sheetrock and all that stuff cracks when there's any flexibility at all. And that's the reason the more rigid the foundation, the better. And the thing that makes it even better is to put in beams. Uh, when I built my sh shop, I put three-foot beams around the perimeter and 32-inch beams crisscross every 10 feet to make it very rigid where, like I said, it, there's no flexibility. The whole thing moves as one solid unit. It'll tip, but it won't sag and bend. Okay. Okay, so it sounds like I might want just a regular rebar slab, huh? Uh, what kind it, of re it, it's still my preference. Yeah, and, and um, say for a thirty-five hundred footprint house, maybe a story and a half, um, plus you know porches and garages and that kind of stuff. Um, what, what's the price differential per square foot, or a rough you know rough order of magnitude between the post tension and a rebar? Uh, on a on a slab of that size, you're probably going to be talking, I don't know, three to five thousand difference. Okay, okay, okay. Well, it was worth the wait talking to you. I'm, I'm glad you try to answer questions in a hypothetical or when you can't see the real thing. Too many people just, you know, they 
say, well, I can't say because I don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. Uh, you got to visualize a little bit. You know, use your imagination. That's what we got. That's why God gave us a mind to think with. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again. Take care. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Uh, you know, and, and that's really a, a lot of what I do here is when people are describing stuff to me, I'm visualizing it in my mind, uh, and and kind of seeing in my mind the the different pictures of what you're talking about. Doesn't mean I'm always right on what you're talking about. It just it, it helps me to to answer the questions better. Let's see. This came in yesterday. Looking for radiant barrier paint to spray inside attic. I'm not able to find it. Please send me the number to the store which sells it. Thanks. You know, the radiant barrier paint was available for a long time from Sherwin-Williams and different places like that. It's not as readily available anymore. And one of the reasons it's not, you have to keep it mixed properly in order for it to work properly. And so there was, the manufacturer was having complaints that the paint wasn't doing what it was supposed to do because... People would mix it up and then let it sit. Well, radiant barrier paint has metal flakes in it. And that metal will settle to the bottom. And so you could end up with a lot of the, the metal in one spot and not much in others. And so they just, I think, weren't, one, able to sell enough in the stores to want to keep it. But two, it became where the manufacturers didn't really want to deal with the complaints that were coming in. Not that it's a bad product. Don't get me wrong. I prefer the, the foil barriers. But the metal, the radiant barrier paint, does exactly what it's designed to do. Uh, it was originally designed for military use inside armored carrying uh, vehicles and tanks and things like that because the metal would get so hot it was a way to stop that heat from penetrating inside of those vehicles. But it, it works on homes as well. The big difference is it basically blocks 65% of the radiant heat where the foil barriers will block 95 to 97%. And they're consistent. The spray paint, unless you keep it mixed properly and apply the right thickness and, and all these variables, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. However, if you're looking for somebody who can sell you some or will know where you can get it, uh, DFW Radiant Barrier and Insulation is a company who should be able to uh, help you out with it because they carry a ton of different radiant barriers, but they can also go over you know, the, the pros and cons of using the spray paint versus a barrier uh, in your areas. So you can call them. DFW Radiant Barrier and Insulation at 817-205-2232. When, when, when we're talking about radiant barriers, I really I, I need you to understand it is a different technology than insulation. Insulation, the R value of insulation, is a resistance. It basically kind of gives you the higher the number, you know, like R7, R11, R13, that takes longer for the heat to penetrate through the insulation. That's the reason in the attic we typically want like an R49. It takes longer for the heat to penetrate all the way through an R49 to get into the living space. A radiant barrier is a heat block. It basically blocks, not if you're using the foil type, 
like we were talking about, it blocks 95 to 97% of the heat from penetrating through the material. So if you got insulation under it, that insulation stays protected and stays cooler. And that's the reason I went with a radiant barrier on my own home instead of adding a bunch of insulation. There just wasn't a need for the insulation when you use the proper radiant barriers. And I had a guy who uh, called me several years ago who had followed some of the stuff I said about radiant barriers, and he put two radiant barriers on a new home that he built. He put uh, on the exterior shell, and then he put a secondary one behind the sheetrock. And he did the whole house, top and, and walls that way. He was running an electric bill on a 2,000-square-foot house of only $80. No insulation in the home at all. Now, you won't meet building codes by doing that, but he built the house himself outside of city limits, so he was able to get away with doing it. The energy efficient of radiant barriers, it, it really does trump insulation. Not that I got anything against insulation. Insulation has worked well for years and years, and there's still a purpose for insulation. It helps with sound deadening and different things like that. But truly, if you're wanting to make your home energy efficient, take a look at Radiant Barriers. Garrett, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Well, thank you very much. Hey, I had a question about a, I had a, I already made the repair, but it's, uh, I had a three-quarter water line leak, and uh, to the uh, master bedroom and the uh, the center bedroom of the house, and I went. Uh, I've repaired it by. Uh, I have copper. It's an older house with copper lines, but I went in the walls, and um, I went uh, manifold to manifold with a uh, uh, PVC and uh, PEX connections. Okay. And it went went up over there at the attic. And uh, let's see, it, it all works well, but I was wondering if I sell the house, how do I, uh, what do I have to do to make it legal, you know? Or... Well, n really nothing, because okay. uh, it, it because you didn't do this under the slab, you, it's, it went overhead, correct? Yeah. Okay. As long as it's overhead, uh, you're going to be fine. They, they get a little... Uh, more fussy if all the connections are under slab than when it's in the wall. Now, okay. technically, you sh you're supposed to have a inspection and all that stuff, but you did this work yourself, right? I did. Okay. You you're going to be fine then. Okay. Yeah, and and you said you 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 switched over and went with PEX. Right on the copper line. Yeah. They make they made that. I was told they purposely made the PVC. Or the, uh, or no, the PEX pipe, the same diameter as the original copper, just for this purpose. So you can right. just put the PEX connection, and it worked perfect. Oh yeah, no, it, I, it honestly, that's what plumbers do as well. They they switch over yeah. from the uh -huh. the uh, copper to the the PEX, and and quite frankly, every place where you've got a water, like the the stub out for a toilet connection and stuff, even if a house is right. plumbed with PEX. Right. It's, yeah, it's we which is over the copper to come out. We remodeled the kitchen and all the uh, stub connections are PEX now. Yeah. Yeah. So no, you're you're going to be fine. Don't you don't need to worry about it for resale. Okay, good. This one came in from Charlene. It, we are interested in replacing the flexible ductwork in the attic. Any rec any recommendations? Well, obviously you're going to want a, a good AC contractor, so I would recommend 
advent air. But if you're going to start replacing ductwork, there are some changes coming that I think everybody needs to be made aware of. Energy codes in the state of Texas are changing to where they are not going to allow the flex duct. They're wanting everything to be hard duct. And what that means is you're, they're going to go back to the old metal duct work like it used to be. Then you'll have to come in and insulate after the duct is installed. So they're going to have a two-inspection process. Uh, the ductwork gets installed, you get your inspection, then the insulation gets installed, and there'll be a second inspection. Now, some of these details are still being worked out, but all of this is supposed to be in place within the next, like, year and a half or so. And the reason I'm bringing this up, if you are thinking about a new air conditioning unit and you don't want to go through that added expense of installing the hard duct, now is the time to be taking care of these things. Because my understanding, and again, some of this could change because there are some uh, organizations trying to fight it, and in my opinion, rightfully so. But right now, the way this code is written, and, and the state is, is uh, going to have to enforce it, is... If you're putting in a new air conditioning system, and I'm, like I said, we got about another year and a half before this really kicks in, maybe a little longer. Uh, but if you put in a new AC system, the ductwork will have to be replaced as well. Where right now, if we put in a system, we're able to reuse the existing duct if it's still in good shape. And what the, um, oh, AC associations, there's several of them in the state. What they're trying to combat is that's not a reasonable request to people. If the ductwork is in, in good shape still, why go through the expense of replacing it? Well, in the long run, what they're trying to do is, is basically do away with our standard air conditioning systems that we have right now. Uh, basically, we're going to be forcing people to go into the ductless systems. Because to put in that hard duct that way is going to be cost prohibitive. And so what they're, what they're trying to do is kind of regulate it uh, through the codes in order to help lower utility usage, energy usage. And that's really what this is all coming down to is because our grid, as we're using more and more energy on things, they're looking for ways to reduce the amount of energy we need to use in our home to accomplish the same thing rather than adding lines to our grid. We're, just, we're, we're uh, stretching them to their limits, and so they're trying to find ways to help reduce some of that stuff. Well, the ductless systems are very energy efficient compared to a duct-type system, but they cost a lot more. So yeah, I shouldn't say a lot more. They cost more. They're, it's, it's uh, I don't know, probably 30 percent more to put in a ductless system versus a duct type system because then you're running copper lines versus running duct work and stuff but if you got to go to the hard duct systems that is expensive you know to, to roll out the flex duct is relatively inexpensive and that's the reason we went to flex ducts to begin with the old hard duct in the old days, didn't have insulation on it. And so it was easy on the flex duct to have insulation. It's quick to install. It helped reduce cost. 
everybody was happy. And now for some reason, codes are changing on the energy codes, and that's what's forcing this. Anyways, I, I went way down a rabbit trail there uh, just, just because that particular question brought it to mind. Uh, if, if you're needing the, uh, duck work, Advent Air definitely can help you out with that duck work. Uh, you can reach them at 972-221-4373. That's 972-221-4373. And if it sounds like I'm getting a little too deep into the duck work thing, you know, I use Advent Air here at my house and at my office in Dallas, but in the Houston area, I do own an air conditioning company. And so I do stay on top of these type of things. And so, yes, I am knee deep in it because I think it's one of the, oh, I'm trying, I'm going to try to clean this up. So this is one of the stupidest things I've heard in a long time, forcing people to put hard duck in instead of going with the flex duck. The cost will, the whole thought process is less air restriction allows the air to flow better, which helps to reduce energy consumption. That cost difference of the hard duck versus flex duck will never, ever be saved in that airflow calculation. This is the most ridiculous thing I've heard in a long time. However, our legislators, be the brilliant people they are, this is what they spend their time looking at. Ugh, I'll get off my soapbox now. Hello, Mike. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, how are you doing today? Wonderful. How about you? Doing great, thank you. Hey, um, I'm getting ready to have my roof redone due to hail damage and was considering installing electric attic fans rather than just the passive vents and wanted to get your take on that as to if it's worth it. No, not, not at all. Uh, because okay. you, you're using electricity uh, to do something that Mother Nature does anyways because hot air rises. And even if you have electric vents, if you don't have proper soffit vents, you're not going to get the right airflow. In fact, it can be even worse than that. When you turn on a power fan, if there's not enough soffit vents, it will actually start drawing air from inside the living space of the home. And so it can literally start messing with the air conditioning loads and things like that. But the biggest reason for not putting them in Electric power fans are notorious for shorting out and causing attic fires. Good information that I, uh, I do appreciate. Hey, one other question real quick. Sure. Um, so you, I just listened to your call on uh, the, the grout. In our bathroom shower, uh, the grout in the corner, the whole length of the shower uh, has developed a, a little bit of a crack, but it runs yeah. from the top all the way to the floor. How best to seal that? Truthfully, the best way to seal that is with caulking rather than the grout because those corners, just through the expansion, contraction of regular building materials, will tend to get some cracks in them. And they make a grout designed for inside, a grout, I'm sorry, they make a caulking designed for inside the shower that has some elasticity to it, uh, especially if you've got a white grout, which most showers do, but... Uh, they make the most common colors in that shower-type grout. That, uh, I keep saying grout. Shower-type caulking that you can put in those corners, and uh, that is actually the best way to avoid having that issue happen again. Okay, so if it's with the existing grout there, would would I go in there and just go over the top of it or try to if remove it and then re-grout? 
if it's tight in the corner, you can go over it. If it if it sticks out a little bit, you may have to uh, scrape some of it out. Okay, great. Hey, fantastic information. I appreciate and, it. And one other thing, Mike, if you do need, and and there are some specialty needs where you sometimes do need to have air movement in an attic uh, more so than what passive air will do. Uh, you know, like if you got these little cubby areas that are not well ventilated yet they can have soffit vents use uh-huh. a use a solar powered fan instead of electric one great okay hey thanks so much i, I really appreciate it you bet take care you've just heard the best calls and questions from texas home improvement for more information about our show go to thipro.com